You're listening to Episode 5 of The Propaganda Report with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley. Today's episode is brought to you by Soundbites. Soundbites. Why spend all that time analyzing deeply complex political issues when you can come to instant conclusions through Soundbites? Soundbites. Forming our political reality since 1960. On today's episode, Mike Pence, the cardboard cutout Republicans long for. Donald Trump, controlled opposition or globalist fighting patriot. The communist hijacking of Black Lives Matter. And things to look out for. Here's Monica Perez. This is episode five of the Propaganda Report with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley. I got to tell you, Brad... I am super tired, so you might have to carry the, the, uh, yeah, I can't think. Carry the weight. (laughs) The ball, carry the weight. (laughs) This time I have terrible jet lag. It's like three in the morning for me right now. Uh, Are you up to the task? I was Uh, on Yeah, we'll see. I'm a little loopy myself, so (laughs) we'll just go crazy today. Well, I don't think that's out of the ordinary, but I, I just got back from Switzerland where this was so not my idea and not anything I would have uh, thought up, but my husband and I had an opportunity to drive old, like racing cars, old little Porsches through the Swiss Alps with some friends from uh, college. And it was so scary it was insanely scary so i'm there terrified i have terrible jet lag when i'm over there terrible jet lag now i still like my heart was hurting at certain points because of these crazy like what they call switchbacks or whatever just back and forth you have to look it up one of the passes was this thing called the stelvio the stelvio and man it was terrifying. I, I I haven't actually brought myself to look at the YouTube videos. When you search for Stelvio fail, apparently it's pretty awful. Because at some points, like the guardrail is literally a piece of string. <laughs> I was like, why? Why even put it up there? And they said, well, so that they can dig the road out in the snow. And I was like, all right, whatever. It was terrifying. <laughs> it sounds like and- a James Bond type thing. Oh, it felt like it. And the cars are all like, I think it's a hobby, maybe a fancy people hobby where they just take their fancy cars and go up and down these roads and show how they can drive them fast. So like the idea isn't like what I would do is like drive as slow as you can to feel comfortable. They're like, oh, look at how (laughs) fast this car can take this turn. Like that's the that's the hobby. It's like it's a hobby. So. I got no rest there. I was terrified. It was the most not restful vacation I ever had. Uh, so anyway, I know. Sounds I like your life was in jeopardy for <laughs> I think time. it was. And I knew it. I was nervous already going in. So I actually redid my will before. Oh, I oh my gosh. <laughs> to make sure like my kids were being taken care of people who were still like down for that. Right. Because I was in a car with my husband. I was like, wow. you know, the plane doesn't scare me, but a car. How fast were and- you going? Well, first of all, it's like in clicks, kilometers, so I really don't know. And and I don't think it's as fast as it feels. It's just fast enough that there's no margin for error because you're going and then you're seeing like a mount, like if you kept going straight, you would die for sure. Right. So you like, have to make a really sharp turn. Why start there? I would think like a practice racetrack would be a, a safer environment to, to, to well, do Well, that's that. the thing. 
it I have done that. I have gone to the racetrack and it's super fun. And these people were completely the people we were with do it all the time. It was just my husband I was worried about. So <laughs> which caused some conflicts because I was like, hey man, I I've never seen you do this before, and you're trying to keep up with that guy. <laughs> so That's a level just... of the, the thrill-seeking just keeps getting bigger and bigger. At some point, it's going to be like, all right, now we're going to go to the Alps, and we're going to have somebody with a gun pointed to our head <laughs> while we race around the mountain. Or you have a parachute in the back just in case. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, it was super scary, Not, not, but it also was like an the experience of a lifetime. I'm not ungrateful. I'm sure I was like, they were like, what did you bring this chick for? I think... <laughs> Being a mom, like, messes with you like that. Anyway. Yeah. So I was a little bit out of the loop. I was trying. I watched the big Trump-Clinton debate when I was over there. But I uh, just because of the time difference, we couldn't really get it together and uh, do a show. So we can cover a little bit of that today. And also what happened this week was the VP debate, which I expected it to be insanely boring those guys are like cardboard cutouts of what you would think, you know, politician. It just uh, seems to me they're like the most typical politician. And, um, but I kind of was uh, alerted to, I really actually got interested in watching it when I got a text from you right before the debate, which said, I would read it verbatim. I mean, these guys to me were like soft little teddy bears. Like I didn't even think they were or generic politician guy. I'm sorry. All right. I don't think they're whatever. I'm not falling for it. I'm just saying that uh, they seemed innocuous. That's just yeah. a big word. <laughs> Covers the bases. Then I got this text from you that says, I think Tim Kaine is the craziest psychopath in this whole circus. Right. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah. Tim Kaine? Like the guy oh, at the DNC? I laid I was... eyes on him. I thought he, I'm like, that <laughs> like, guy how did you... in his basement. He's crazy. I think he that He just now. looks insane to me. Yeah. He acted insane in that thing. I, I think that we're probably just scratching the surface with this guy. <laughs> I, well, I mean, to me, he's like a leprechaun going through puberty. I feel like he should pop out of a cereal <laughs> box. He's also oh. clearly does a lot of cocaine. <laughs> I don't think that, but I do think that he <laughs> <laughs> he's well past puberty. This is not an adolescent. I this is This is my question about him, is that... I watched the debate and what my impression of the debate was of him was actually exactly what all the other pundits, their opinion was, which was this. Uh, this is out of um, just an article in the journal, but it was universally this belief. Tim Kaine was rude, boorish, and hectoring. And Mike Pence dominated with his humble, polite demeanor, command of facts, and Midwestern common sense. Okay, and so Subtly Tim sweet <laughs> passive aggressiveness is what I would put. Yes, it was definitely passive aggressive, but it was good. I have a yeah. lot to say about Pence, but since we're talking about Kane, he was rude, boorish, and hectoring. And I thought to myself, and probably out loud to anybody who would listen, that the way I look at these debates, at the end of it, when after I watch it and you see Anderson Cooper and his whole bevy of uh, of the talking heads saying stuff that seems to have no bearing whatsoever on the debate we just watched. <laughs> like, I just like, I, did we watch the same debate? So I feel like they ha it's all scripted ahead of time what their reaction is going to be. And I'm a pretty fast thinker. 
but it takes a, a little bit to digest and come yeah. up with. So, and I imagine they have a bunch of people in the back working furiously, but it seems a little scripted. It felt to me like Tim Kaine did because his performance was exactly what those people were ready for and responding to. Like maybe he's just a genius. Maybe he's just a great actor. And this was, he was actually following the script because he really did a bad job. Like, how did they not expect that? Was he full of nerves? Like I, I think he might be a little more polished than he seems and that he can, can he raise it to that level or am I too far down the rabbit hole? I I don't know. I I have not seen him be polished one time. I, I, the but first didn't you speech, say he was a CIA guy? Sorry to cut you off. I don't know if he was – you sent me an article about him when he was in Honduras. I think oh. they made CIA stuff. Okay. Uh, but I, I, the first time I saw him speak at the, the convention, I'm like, this guy's crazy. And then I saw another speech where, when Hillary had her coughing fit, and he's sitting behind her. And the whole time, he's just like overly like freaking out and clapping at the mo- – I mean he just really over-the-top energy. And he had the same type of thing except he directed it – kind of in attack mode. And I saw an interview with him and Clinton right after she chose him. And it was clear to me after watching that, that he is her, he's her goon. So she, when she says, I don't really want to say, he says, I, 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 and he has this little like voice crack thing when he gets, uh, it's like, how can you, it was, it was killing me. Maybe you want to drive in, uh, in the Alps and then drive off a cliff. And it, right through the string. Right. Yeah. But that, and that's what he was doing. He was he was Hillary is not going to want to appear to be this mean attack dog. So he's going to come in and he's going to be the attack guy. He's going to make himself to be the bad guy for her. Yes. And I, I actually I did not see that. But uh, I feel like at the level of sophistication, the their coaching is for how psychology works and how, I mean, even just to the point where she speaks in a deeper tone. And I, I know this, that women get oh, yeah. shut off. People don't like to hear women. I really think that's why there aren't a ton of radio hosts on the uh, terrestrial radio who are women, because that just higher pitch uh, people want to tune out a little bit. It's just a psychological fact that kids will listen to their dads more than their moms. And they associate that with pitch or whatever whatever you call those high range things. I think there's other stuff like that too, like uh, a woman being super aggressive like that makes her seem bitchy. So like she can't do that stuff, but if she has her proxy there, uh, then, you know, that was probably, I wondered why they picked these plain vanilla Uh, guys. I really couldn't figure it out. Yeah. That, that, that's funny, too, because that, that reminded me of uh, when Bernie Sanders – because you know Hillary's labeled everybody she's ever gone up against as sexist. One of the things she labeled Bernie sex, Bernie sexist – Bernie sexy. Is that how I think of Bernie Sanders? Uh-oh. <laughs> Bernie Sanders as sexist was when he said something about her talking loud, and she took it and framed it as her voice being loud and women shouting, kind of like to what you're saying. Yeah, you could take it to the extreme, but she, uh, but there are there is truth to some of that stuff. Yeah, and and she manages it to the hill, to my opinion. So I could see that being the reason she has Kane. Uh, maybe it's just a coincidence; those guys are like uh, just as plain vanilla as you can get. But I think yeah. the Pence thing, I saw in this debate something that uh, that I found to fit into what I I, I think is the o is part of the very, I think, complex overall agenda for this whole circus. And that is, I feel like all of this is to get Hillary in place, um, maybe even give her a little extra power in uh, reducing Republican numbers in Congress and in the Senate, and really finalizing 
you know, putting the, putting both feet on the gas for the welfare state, which she'll have a mandate for, the warfare state, because she'll silence the anti-war left, and the surveillance state, because she'll not only silence the civil libertarian left, she, the, the left, the Democrats have this natural, uh, the, the mandate for big government, because the left is the side that, like Democrats, are the ones who have faith in government, who want big government, who want that central control. So if this is in a, an extremely expansionist time for government here, they're going to want Democrats in there at least until the wars don't, um, the wars don't need buy-in. Once we're fully entrenched in the war, they can go to a Republican and say, we're going to, you know, we need to elect a Republican because the Democrats did a terrible job and now we're in this war and blah, blah, blah. But until then, I think Hillary's going to be elected mainly to establish this war. Yeah. Uh, you know, more war in Syria and Libya. But here's the thing. And at home. So, and domestically. Uh, oh, like civil. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And the Muslims are going to come in with that too. She's going to be like, we love Muslims. And uh, they're setting up a dialectic here for that as well with the refugees, just like Black Lives Matters, you're going to have that. But the the punchline is that Paul Ryan and that gang are transforming the American right into the European right, which is this populism, which is uh, just a more efficient conservative welfare state. I've talked about this so many times, I'm not going to rehash it all. But uh, I see that happening. And when I watched Pence in the VP debate, I thought he, he, all the people who see that Hillary's going to win, all the people on the right are just thinking, oh, if only Trump would be more like that guy. And that guy is just is it, you might as well he might as well be a cardboard cutout with like a GOP tape. Play, you know, and that's what he was. And I I just immediately was like, all the people are like, oh, why can't that guy be running? Anybody could beat Hillary, anybody, um, but Trump. If we had an establishment guy like that, and of course, the Wall Street Journal all week. I mean, the the ending of that quote I was reading earlier was Donald Trump needs to match the performance of Mike Pence in his debate Sunday with Hillary Clinton, and all throughout, completely, yeah, but it's but. But the but the point what I'm saying a very long winded way is that this is all feeding into the fact that the grassroots Republicans, the Tea Partiers, whatever, the Ron Paul guys, maybe not them so much, but the mainstream Republican voter is going to be begging for the establishment to crack down on the GOP after this election cycle and and. Pence is kind of paving the way for that. It's it's giving you that feeling. It's totally psychological. It's giving you that feeling of relief. You've been banging your head on the wall, and then you see, wow, those people, they really fit in. It reminded me of the Sesame Street where, remember, like, these one of these things doesn't belong, and it yeah. had, like, yeah. three things, and then one didn't belong. And you look at, like, Mike Pence and Tim Kaine and Hillary and Donald Trump, and obviously Donald Trump is the one yeah. that doesn't belong in that world and i feel like uh what we're being prepared for basically is a paul ryan 2020 president oh gosh his ears i can't look at his ears for four years and the uh eddie munster thing i (laughs) maybe he'll grow grow the the beard back (laughs) he looked he's 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 crazy also he and mike pence not mike pence the other guy mike pence probably does also but tim kane loves paul ryan like he talked about him in the debate and in that sixty minutes interview 
Uh, this is back in July. I watched it recently. He also brings up Paul Ryan and how he's so willing to work really? with. It's they're very. I mean, they're they all seem to be. You're right. They all seem to be on a team that's not on the same team as Trump. It's one party now. Yeah. And and they're all in it. And I think that's where it's going to happen. But I did have a clip. If we can play it, maybe I should have played the clip first. That kind of gives you that feeling. You can we play that? It's a good start. Look, Donald Trump and I have a plan to get this economy moving again, just the way that it worked in the 1980s, just the way it worked in the 1960s. And that is by lowering taxes across the board for working families, small businesses and family farms, ending the war on coal. It is hurting jobs and hurting this economy, even here in Virginia, uh, repealing Obamacare, lock, stock and barrel and and repealing all of the executive orders that Barack Obama has signed that are stifling economic growth in this economy. We can get America moving again, put on top of that the kind of trade deals that'll put the American worker first, and you've got a prescription for real growth. And when you get the economy growing, Elaine, that's when you can deal with the national debt. When we get back to 35 to 4% growth with Donald Trump's plan will do, then we're going to have the resources to meet our nation's needs. I probably hear that a little, uh, a little different then a little different than you do like what i what i hear from that stuff and in any debate is i hear i hear nothing <laughs> is <laughs> I, I i that 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 stuff i mean i get what they're saying because i i've been involved in it a little longer than i used to be when i was younger so i understand it a little more but i know that back when i was just kind of more of a uh, um a passive uh you know i just passively took in politics like most people that would have been absolutely nothing to me, and I probably would have acted like I knew what I was talking about. But really, it's just – to me, it's empty talking points, and I think that's what these debates are. They're about sound bites, and I don't think you can get into the – so to me, he really didn't say anything there. He just set yes, up his position. and this is my point, is that I <clears> – what could possibly make you – Happy to hear that than the fact that the guy who's representing you is Donald Trump saying crazy things. So when you say something, it's awful. You know what I mean? Like to say what you really think and feel can have terrible consequences, including losing the election. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, what could make you want Hillary? What could make you want Paul Ryan? What could make you want a cardboard cutout with a GOP tape playing in the background than, than looking at the awful consequences of being un-PC? I, I don't – like, what could make you want Hillary? That is a question I don't know if I could answer. That's... I'm telling you, I think David Axelrod answered the question four years ago and said, you know, we need somebody who's – uh, who people will hate more than they hate you. And she how, was like, I went to this wedding a couple of years ago. I think I've got the guy for you. How can we make <laughs> yeah. America beg for Satan? Yeah, how can we make America hate somebody I, I, I to, I other do, than you? I agree with what you're saying. I think that that has been I, – I think that that's been – a couple of years ago, I, I've been – I told my friends. I said, Hillary, I think, has been chosen. She's incredibly unlikable. 
If they tried to put her in right now, there would be it would shatter the illusion of democracy. So they had to spend the next couple yeah. of years or eighteen months yeah. shaping the perception, making it plausible that she wins through the democratic vote. And we've reached a point. We've actually reached that point now. And I think that it doesn't matter even if she were to lose the vote. I don't think it would matter because she plausibly wins through the democratic process. We would believe it. So I think they'll give it to yes, her. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. And I think that this has been in the works. For many years, and I think Trump's involvement has, you know, I think he's completely in on it. And I think that's been going on for years. So, uh, so that, so my, uh, my, I wasn't speaking for me. Like, I really love what this guy has to say, blah, blah, blah. It's just that it was such a relief to hear just a, uh, a polished robot like right. Romney and Ryan. Like you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you thought that that was bad back then. And you're just like, Oh my gosh. I mean, a, a really a, a sock puppet would win against Hillary. You know what I mean? Oh, just, yeah, it would have yeah. been fine. I see what you're saying now. People are like, yes, finally the empty polished. Speech. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Paul Ryan, yeah, Paul yeah. Ryan, he's my guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't no, wait for a Paul Ryan president. I thought I wanted Ron Paul, but no, I really right. want Paul Ryan because I used to want to kill myself when I listened to this stuff, but now it's all <laughs> right. I want to hear. Right, not that any Ron Paul supporters would flip to Paul Ryan, but I'm just saying, like people who thought they wanted a change realize, other than the people who really do like Trump, he resonates with them. I, I don't mock those people. My mother is a hundred percent. Like she does not want to hear what I, that, that I think he's um, playing a role. Like that just really upsets her. But, yeah. we, they, we should, uh, but I'm just not saying, today, I, but we should talk about that at some point and go into it a little bit. Cause I've been on, I've been back and forth with that. I, I think he's being manipulated into helping Hillary. I don't think he's going to has a chance yeah. of winning, but uh, I've been back and forth yeah. on that because of the research I've done on him. I'm no. still, I'm still on the fence. Really? Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that he's uh, um, an angel who, who's – he might have his own no, agenda. No, I'm not saying he's a devil. I'm not even saying he's not an angel. I'm saying he is an actor and he is playing this role oh, and that's yeah. all there is to it. And, yes. and it's for her to win. It's for her to win, just like William Weld this week. that He's right. on the ticket. He's the VP on the Libertarian Party and he said something to the effect of – he said there are two things he said. One and one was this week. One was a few weeks ago. One was Hillary Clinton appears to be the most qualified person to be president right now. That's not to say that the that the inquiry is over. I really like Gary Johnson, his <laughs> running mate, his running mate. And then uh, another. What was the other thing he said? This was this week. He said that he's in the race to make sure that Trump comes in third. That's what he's doing. And, uh, what, what, I, Oh, and he said that after the election, he'll probably change parties. So what? he was a Republican. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's not a direct quote, but it is in the article. It says, Weld says that after the election, he will probably change parties, but he doesn't say what party. So did, so he was a Republican, I think, until like the day before, at least this year. He was still a Republican. Now he's the Libertarian. And I also pegged that. See, that's the thing. That's why I think this is a big act, because I anticipated that the Trump phenomenon was was a psyop that was going far beyond just getting Hillary elected, which would have been easier than all this. I, I felt it was a way to completely restructure the Republican, the GOP party to to embrace big government, what Irving Kristol recommended as the conservative welfare state. I've talked about it. I've written about it. 
it's true it's real and i also before before well before the libertarian convention before weld was even a a sparkle and a twinkle in david axelrod's eye i felt that the libertarian party would be sabotaged in this process that this whole trump psyop was really about not only getting hillary elected but uh rooting out the tea party and the ron paul liberty movement that harkened back to fundamental american values that americans could always used as a touchstone. If they can eradicate that connection, we will become the European uh, type of right-left system, which is really a collectivist big government system from top yeah. to bottom. That's what I think is happening. And and, and I, I'm not sure Trump knows that part. Right. But I think and, he and knows that, he's going to win. I, am at it. I, I agree that I, I think I'm, he I'm knows still he's not, getting Hillary to win, right? I don't – I'm. I don't know. I, I'm back and forth. I used to right, think okay. that. I, I used Got to it. think fine, that fine, intentionally fine. was there. I, I think that he's being used to help Hillary win. See, the thing about turning our right wow. into the into the wow. European, into okay. The European now I get right, what you're saying. I, I think that they might have seen that as an opportunity to destroy the right, saying, "Oh, this Trump guy is an opportunity that we can manipulate him into." Because we know how wow. he's going to be erratic, so I, I don't. I think that the same thing, the outcome is going to okay. happen. But there is a or, chance of that. And the reason I, the, the reason I've been back and forth on it, and I know people say he didn't write his book, but that's uh, uh, none of those. Hillary didn't write her books either. They walk around and talk, and a and a, and a writer makes it nice for him. But reading his books and doing research, he. One of the things that did, I, I haven't been able to reconcile, unless he's been doing a PR campaign, a publicity stunt, which he has, he is very astute at that um, since the 80s, is that he, he had a very public battle against the government in New York um, over an ice rink. I think it was against Kosh. Uh-huh, a woman, woman ice rink, of course. Yeah, and, yeah. and the whole – like when you read his book, it, it's very – to me, it's very similar to his whole – this stuff is not working. You're wasting all this money. You're wasting all this time. I'll but come that in was I'll... such a tiny, insignificant thing. That was it, uh, he hangs it, his hat on that coming and going. I know, I know, but still, okay. it was that. And there's a few quotes that, um, and I said I'm not. That's why I'm not sure either way. There's a there's I, some... I have to respond. Finish what you're going to oh, say. Go ahead. I was just say there's some quotes and some writers, and and this could be PR. You know, I know he knows his image, but he the quotes about how he is uh, true and try. Uh, you know. Through and through American, and he talks about how that being his 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 favorite article or anybody's ever written about him. And I'm not convinced either way. I'm on the fence, but I'm saying I, as I find more evidence that um, he may or may not be. I'm not sure yet. Okay, well then here's what I'm going to say, because people have said, "Oh, he's a dupe." Whatever. I'm like, he's not a he's dupe. not a dupe. But but here's the insight I'm getting out of what you're saying, which is interesting. It's that. I read and I observed that they, in order to get a really good puppet, like Woodrow Wilson, Jimmy Carter, Obama, in order to get a really good puppet, you need an egomaniac. Yes. Because they can't believe that they could be fooled. Uh, Right. You can tell them what to do, and they think it's their own idea. And they're so great at presenting this face because... They think they are that great. Yeah. I don't think he, I, 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 I hear you now. And I, that is a possibility. I do not buy that for a few reasons. One is when he was talking to Micah or Mika Przinsky down the line, 
um, in that leaked audio where he said nothing too hard. And, uh, and also the fact that, that Kate Steinle psyop and the El Chapo psyop that, uh, that welcomed his campaign in, um, these things make me think that he has to know he's being treated differently by the media and the government. I mean, those are two things where the, the kind of media government psyop BS thing was serving him. And he has to know that. I just, you yes. know, and he's an actor. Oh, no, he's totally an actor and that he's using his uh, performance uh, ability it, it, very similar to how he, he did back, back in the 80s to get to get publicity. I, see, those things, I I can think of a reason why the Mika thing, why she, why she wouldn't do that. I, I there's I can. Yeah, he could other, think that he's just so charming and that's the way it really works. People said to me, I'm sure they did that for Ron Paul, too, which is right. ridiculous. No, of course I not. Definitely did it. But see, Trump was so. Wow, it's, you're blowing it's, my mind a little bit. He's so magnetic. I'm, he's such a personality. And I actually read an article. I need to find it. It's a I think it's a pretty guess, rare article from like two years ago where somebody said they were in a meeting with Trump. And it's not 100 percent verified, but they said that. He said that he believes that he can get the media attention basically by doing what he's doing and that he's going to anything two years ago. I'm discounting this thing has been in the works for four years. Yes. Uh, um, or longer. Well, but so, a lot of people think that he just kind of, yes, a lot of people think that he just threw his name out there and just, you know, didn't mm-hmm. think, it, but no, he, he totally did not do that. Um, shoot. I lost my, I'm going to have to chew thought. on that. Lost my Don't train of that. thought. Uh, but the, the thing, you. the thing that has made me see, I think that, in some of these propaganda books, um, Formation of Men's Attitude, they talk about – the writer talks about competing propagandas, basically competing factions of, of just these layers and layers of, of propaganda, of, of, of working the system and you know your, your best friend's your enemy, your enemy's your best friend. And so I'm seeing all this stuff with Hillary and, and you know, them taking pictures together, and I'm like that's a lot of the way – it's such a, a complex uh, – Especially with the media, it is now such a complex layer of what's going on. I, I and reading about Trump's past and whether it's a PR thing because he had that much forethought, or whether he genuinely was for this kind of Americanism, and Hillary genuinely is about this globalism, and and that's what that's in the most simplistic form. If he is legitimate, then he's the Americanism and she's the globalism. Um, but like you said, it's uh, it's you know control. There's controlled opposition. It's so. Yeah, it's, it's so tricky. Complex. And that and that like this whole thing that came out this week about the foundations and uh his foundation was cited or the the attorney general Schneiderman sent him a cease and desist order or something like that for his foundation. That was on in Tuesday's paper. And Wednesday's paper it said the Clinton Foundation sent the AG some refiling stuff, Schneiderman, some refiling stuff. Uh, just to get ahead of it, which I, of course, felt that Schneiderman sent out that Trump thing in advance to take the spotlight out of off of the fact that really the real problem was the Clinton Foundation. <laughs> but then the next day, the next day, there was an article today in the journal saying how Trump uh, contributed to Schneiderman or his daughter and that Jared Kushner, her husband, had a fundraiser for this guy, Schneiderman, and Kushner's father, you'll recall, was Hillary's biggest donor, was 
Trump's first mega donor and and Chris Christie sent him to jail for campaign finance fraud. I mean, it's incestuous that yes. all these people are all these New York people are working together uh, to get this stuff to, you know, these these stories are rolling out. Um, I mean, it's possible that that Trump has his head in the clouds, but. You and I can figure it out, and he's smart. Right. So well, if he it, was just yeah. stuff, in his book, he could figure out what's really going on. He talks about, and this can be seen as a negative or, or or a positive. But in his in his book, he talks about how you have to you have to uh, you donate money to all these politicians because that's how you get access to them. So e- even if you're for them uh, and yes. you're against them, and it's it's the whole make your I enemy your best that, friend. But he's- his daughter is literally in bed with the son of Hillary's biggest donor I, I as know, senator. It's, cra- it's crazy. It can't be. It can't. I. I, I don't know. Like, I, we go back and forth forever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, there are there so, are, there but are, there are some things like that that make me go, okay, maybe this is part of a, um, or or maybe it's it's two competing factions that are both elites. I mean, they're, that are both elites and are, are both. That I absolutely do not think. No, I think that he could be falling for something. But at this point, I feel like they've they've actually. Where is the neoconservative faction? It's Paul Ryan. It's all those guys. I think they are regrouping. But it makes me think there is no other faction because the GOP seems to be losing on purpose, too. I feel like they're all neoconservatives. Hillary is a neoconservative. Trump isn't. But I feel like that's really the party. It's the socialist neoconservatism. I think that's like fascism. You know, it's like a fascist single party. But but should we play those? uh, Do you want to talk about this VP thing anymore? You want to keep – you want to talk about – um, Should we finish up on yeah, the debate the stuff? Thing. We got off on a. We can pick up on that topic. A little bit of a tangent. And thing. you had said I don't want to talk about this now, and I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> talk about it." So sorry about that. I yeah, derailed you, but okay. So there's. So that was just the Mike Pence thing. I think um, that was interesting. Our uh, different insights there. It was a little difficult to watch Mike Pence because, as a big King of the Hill fan, I couldn't. Stop noticing that he looks like Cotton Hill. And uh, I don't know if you are familiar yeah. with that guy's yeah. look, but it's driving me crazy. So let's move on to uh, Tim Kaine. He is he was a lawyer. Uh, he I think he did racial discrimination cases and then he went into public service. And I and so but basically he's a lifelong kind of, you know, public service guy and this let's this time let's play the clip first governor pence just said that donald trump will rebuild the military no he won't donald trump is avoiding paying taxes the new york times story and we need to get this but the new york times story suggested that he probably didn't pay taxes for about 18 years starting in 1995 those years included the years of 9 11 so get this on 9-11, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump's hometown was attacked by the worst terrorist attack in the history of the United States. Young men and women, young men and women signed up to serve in the military to fight terrorism. Hillary Clinton went to Washington to get funds to rebuild her city and protect first responders. But Donald Trump was fighting a very different fight. It was a fight to avoid paying taxes so that he wouldn't support the fight against terror. He wouldn't support troops. He wouldn't wouldn't support 
This is important, Elaine. When a guy running for president will not support the troops, not support veterans, not support teachers, that's really important. Okay. I remember that part very vividly. Uh, It absolutely infuriated me because he there's a, it's a it's not like hillary spends her own money you see he acts like he went hillary went and like bailed out it, new york it, it's like ever since this election campaign season uh, over the past year and a half hillary has suddenly become a firefighter at the center of 9-11 just pulling people from the rubble uh, i mean yeah uh, i thought it was kind of weird that she she got in in 2000 chris christie got in like, I think he was assigned to be U.S. attorney the day before 9-11, something oh, like that. Yeah. Like, these guys were all there on the scene, Giuliani. They're all there on the scene. And, uh, but yeah, again, and then I'll tell you. Oh, I, I just, that, hearing that clip is just, it's just framing Hillary as some sort of hero on 9-11. And then Donald Trump was not, and saying that, that Trump didn't pay, Trump, what he did was legal. They came out and said it was legal. So, I, I, I'm not getting this whole tax thing. I don't think people care about it. It's, it was just a it was just a major piece of propaganda trying to frame Hillary up as a 9/11 hero. It's disgusting to me. We don't even know the tax information yet. It is impossible for me to believe that he took a billion dollar write off, which was obviously, uh, you know, a major business investment, and because you can't take personal income tax write offs. Hardly at all. Like it's just like once you make a couple hundred thousand dollars, you can't even take anything like that. And to it, they they're speculating that he might have been able to avoid personal income taxes for the next eighteen years, which I guess is possible. I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I don't think it works like that. I think business losses are business losses, but it doesn't matter because it's purely speculative. Yes, and. Yes, yeah, yes. and I just my when I heard him say that I was just like go f yourself like what you know I was like can, you, who are you can I tell you who he reminds me of hey. whenever he when he spoke of this at first and there's a clip of this as well the first time they brought this up it's like he is just like every girl that I've ever dated <laughs> you say <Ew>. one thing <laughs> then a string of inferences and a conclusion that I neither said nor meant is it, become a fact. Oh, well, Donald Trump didn't pay taxes, so he doesn't care about the military, so he doesn't care about the people of this country, and so he, he calls my oh, yeah. like, no, that's not it all. Are you implying that women are irrational? I'm maybe maybe that I <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually that. had that discussion with my husband while holding on for dear life going around the corners of the Delvio saying, you know, normally I'm not like super chick like, but I'm totally terrified. And uh, and this is my moment to be completely emo. But <laughs> yes, I, I he agreed. I had to challenge that it was possible. I was even more rational than he and he had to agree that was possible. <laughs> but I try to be extremely rational and I would never do anything like that. But I have heard rumors that going out with women can uh, <laughs> can bring you to that point of pulling your hair out. Yes. But yes, it was absolutely ridiculous. But I want to follow up on that with uh, another clip where he really brings home the point I'm trying to make about uh, whose money is it anyway. And Donald Trump, and this is is not directed at, at this man, except 
to the extent that he can't defend Donald Trump. Donald Trump has run a campaign that's been about one insult after the next. But we, we do have to bring the country together. So here's what we'll do. Hillary Clinton was first lady, then senator for eight years and secretary of state. And I serve in the Senate. And I'm really amazed, Elaine, as I talk to Republican senators, how well they regard and respect Hillary Clinton. She was on the Armed Services Committee. She was on other committees. She worked across the aisle when she was first lady to get the CHIP program passed so that 8 million low-income kids have health insurance in this country, including 150,000 in Indiana. She worked across the aisle after 9-11 to get health benefits for the first responders who bravely went into the towers and into the Pentagon. She worked to get benefits for, TRICARE benefits for National Guard members, including Hoosiers and Virginians in the National Guard. She has a track record of working across the aisle to make things happen. So the, the great, the great she, communicator, Hillary Clinton, bringing people together across the aisle. But she, all he was saying was she does a great job stealing money from one group of people and giving it to another group of people. Uh, so if you're in that group of people that she gives the money to, she's going to be there for you. Like like Mike Pence is sitting there saying, oh, I like to go to Washington and burn the money. I like to go to Washington. You know what I mean? It's not like they they uh, they're. What is it that Tim Kaine is suggesting the Republicans want to do with that money? I think it's yeah, just right. not steal it from people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these evil Republicans promise not to steal money. Yeah. Now they don't. They don't live up to that promise. I'm not suggesting that the Republicans don't steal the money. They do steal the money. But the argument that she is some kind of hero because she dragged her ass down to Washington to steal money from people (laughs) for the people in New York who vote for her and uh, take her out on the town. It's uh, that, to use Tim Kaine's word, uh, that's what offends me. Yeah, or or to use uh, Mike Pence. It's remarkable. It's it's remarkable that he (laughs) – that's what Mike Pence did well in this debate is is – even if he was saying something that was true, he would just – can you believe this guy saying this? this, this he, he, he laughed it off as though, uh, as though uh, Kane was insane. Uh, so I got off yes, track it's, there. But. It's, no, no, totally. It's completely passive-aggressive, and I have had that experience. Um, dare I suggest it might be a, <laughs> a trait of those girlfriends of yours after they've, they've – um, <laughs> been a bit seasoned later in life yes, i feel like yes, it's a yes. mother-in-law kind of trait and you wow. get the uh, you get the that i actually passive aggression is not a new york thing i guess sarcasm is a new york thing i try not to use sarcasm but passive aggression is something i couldn't even understand until i was like well out of new york because new york they'll just punch you in the face with whatever they yeah, have to it's say a very like they're aggressive southern aggressive. tactic very <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it, I it's other places too. But I yeah, I, have, I understand I why you did that. You failed at it earlier, but you were trying to do your best, even though it failed earlier in the uh, previous day. You lost <laughs> all that money, but and I, I did mention that you shouldn't have done it that way, of course. But, right. but you know, you did it. Job. I have a lot of respect. <laughs> I know it's really gross. It's kind of like the way. Uh, it, I've I, when I used to work in like really male environments. There is there sexual harassment at, in those days. Anyway, we're it's totally rampant, and it was a, it was a lot like that. Like, um, 
what? I mean, you don't, you, they would say, one guy said to me, Hey, you know, it's up to you to tell me if, uh, what I say and do makes you uncomfortable. And I said, it totally makes me uncomfortable. He was like, I'm sure it doesn't. I'm sure this is fine. I was like, what? It's just that kind of, uh, they're said, nice I'm to sure you. I'm sure it doesn't. But- <laughs> yeah, it was some crazy no, thing. Was- no, no, you're, you're was- mistaken. <laughs> yeah, he was just trying to like, like, let me explain to you. I don't really mean it that way. But it's just this idea that they're like really, um, they say nice things to you. So yeah. that they, you 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 can't be rude back, like you can't. Yes, you, you feel like it would be like they're they're preying on your etiquette. Uh, yes, that somebody who's being nice to you, you can't lash out at. Right, so that's and they say it with a nice too. southern charm too. It's like, did you just insult me? I'm not. Yeah. Yes, but I am this season. I am so desperate for somebody not to hate, and I do this. I always give the people. Any any new guy on the scene, I just bask in that first like hour or so. Yeah, right? like, you know, maybe he's a nice guy. Yeah. Maybe he's an okay guy. I really I want to like this Mike Pence guy. Right. But you're right. There are clear signs of that passive aggression. And I don't like to get down to the the psychological level or what are chicks like or how how this stuff because it's not my thing. I do I've never ever tried to psychoanalyze people. I just am not even that interested in personal stuff. But you can't help but notice that these techniques are used against us. And I guess you kind of have to be oh, aware man. of it in order to guard yourself. And they consciously learn. I mean, you have to think about it like for politicians, career politicians, the number yeah. one skill they've been developing their entire life is, is manipulation, is putting on a mask. Lying. And, yes. And that's, yes, the, that's their this, skill. I've known, I knew people who knew George Bush and Bill Clinton by coincidence. I mean, you know, over the years, is and John Edwards. <laughs> You know, I don't, she wasn't a hooker, but I could see um, why he hired her. So there there was, and John Edwards. So there, I knew people who knew these, and every single one of them said, you don't understand. He is so genuine, so sincere. Right. He is, uh, like, you, you don't understand. People really misread him. I'm like, no, no they don't. that's his skill. Nah, that's and, what yeah. is so, it's so unusual that if you can be that good a liar, right. you can run the world. That's the difference in a crook that gets caught all the time and somebody who's like a career, a career criminal, an elite criminal is, I read an FBI book and they talked about when, if, when you're profiling somebody who, who walks into wherever you are, you're not looking for somebody who's wearing dirty, ragged up stuff. You know, you're looking for somebody who's, da- you know, who's dapper, who looks sharp, who comes off as somebody who comes off as the uh, uh, the best guy in the room. I mean, that's uh, it, I use uh, the example of, um, you know, if you uh, leave your, your laptop on, in a coffee shop and you say, I got to go to the bathroom. Can you watch my laptop for me while I'm gone? And there's a nun and there's somebody who just has <laughs> ragged long hair. And uh, I the nun's the one who's going to steal your laptop because the nun knows <laughs> You would never expect her to. So you, you uh, maybe she's not really a nun. Can we right. at least to to catch a criminal? Dad? You got to think like a, a a criminal, and and these criminals want to hide them. They want to cloak themselves under a, a halo of goodness. That's very eloquent. <laughs> yes, <laughs> doesn't a halo imply goodness? Yeah. So I want to. Uh, I want. I did want to touch on a couple of these uh, things from the other debate, from the Trump-Clinton debate. Yeah. 
Can we do that? Yeah. You want to do that? I'll tell you my favorite. You go, you go ahead, and I'll tell you my favorite Keep part going. of that debate. Well, my favorite part of that debate, I think, was there were so many, but it was at one point between all of the uh, between Hillary just trying to poke Trump and make him have a heart attack while he's trying not to react to her. Uh, is at one point the moderator goes, "Okay, Donald Trump." He, it, I'm uh, paraphrasing, but he goes, "Mr. Trump." Uh, you have two minutes. How would you solve terrorism? And I'm going, what? is that how it works in, in real time? Like somebody come in the Oval Office every morning and say, uh, Mr. President, we have two minutes. Can we knock out terrorism? Go. Yeah, it's just like it's so unrealistic, that these debates. I've like, got the timer. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's why just saying nothing, like what Mike Pence said, all the stuff where you're like, yeah, I heard him say nothing. It yeah, is exactly. nothing. It has no bearing whatsoever on what's going to happen in the Oval Office. But none of it does. Absolutely none of it does. The the only person I've ever heard in my entire life who I felt what you see is what you get it, uh, is Ron Paul. Yeah, I agree. He just – he had – he not – he stuck with his principles. He – Always answered consistently, and when he was in office, he followed those principles, and that amounted to saying no to basically everything. Yes. <laughs> it reminds me of the uh, – a very – this is a crass correlation. I hate to use in the same paragraph as Ron Paul, but that really off-color Joe Montana SNL skit, which I'm not going to tell. Uh-oh. Yeah, I know what you're <laughs> talking story. about. But every thought that went through his mind came out his mouth. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just feel like, well, <laughs> I can't say it's what Ron Paul does. But Ron work? Paul's is that is that <laughs> absolutely. I'm not going down that road, but I'm just saying that you never like a politician. You're never ever you're going to have the exact opposite, which is <laughs> there is no connection whatsoever yeah. between what they really think and feel and what's coming right. out of their mouth, that's, and that's why they're exactly. there. That's what they talk about in this Nixon book uh, that, I, that I've talked about multiple times on here. It, I mean, seriously, it's like we don't want them thinking about anything. We don't want them thinking about policy. We don't want Nixon talking about policy. We want him hitting these sound bites. Oh, really? They yeah. don't even want him thinking about no, it. They don't want the audience thinking about it. They don't want mainly well, that. I always wondered about JFK and Nixon because they were real insiders. I'm not saying they ran the world, but they were real insiders. And Watergate, I think it's pretty clear it was a coup. Like it was a setup by the CIA, an inside job, which is why Nixon covered it up. Hillary was Say a part again. of that. I was. Uh, I like to remind everybody that Hillary—that's where she started her uh, um, her criminal career in public life. Yes, she stole those papers. I only found that out in the past couple of months with you on the air. Uh, that that's what happened. Um, a caller, I think, did yeah, that I on the, the Monica Press show on WSB. But uh, uh, something so interesting. What, oh, go ahead. Those guys got taken out. Sorry, those guys got taken out, even though they were part of the establishment. I think because they had their own minds and then they had to go to people who were uh, just full on egomaniacal puppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you you remind me of something interesting. The whole microphone thing, remember? Did you hear about that after the uh, presidential yes. debate where he's in mm-hmm. his microphone and he kept leaning yes. down to talk to Hillary, which he's not. Yes. Yeah, he's communicating. Oh! He kept doing this and like. No. I said, why is he hunching over? And I concluded it was to make her look less short. 
Oh, really? I said he's hunching over the whole time watching the show. It's like he is hunching over. Why is he hunching over? They did a lot of things to make their they they separated them by a lot so they would never be in the same screen. Yeah. In order to make he's like a foot taller than she is. Yeah, he says that it was his microphone and he couldn't hear himself, uh. but he's not. But like Trump's communicating with the people on television, the people who are there, it doesn't matter. But he's so reactive. You know, when at these debates, the people who are in the audience are plants. It's the, yes. the, the oh, at home. Sure. So at home, people are watching and it's confusing. Like He's just like, we're like, what is he doing? And it looks like he's attacking kind yeah. of. So and people like they called it a conspiracy afterwards when Trump was like, oh, my microphone was down. And then they came out and said, OK, there were some problems with Trump's microphone. Did you see that? The, the actual, I don't, but I don't believe it. The, 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 the debate. Well, I do. I believe it's possible, and I believe that it, it, it's possible that it's sabotaged because there's a precedent there. During well, the, I mean, I think there's sabotage on Beat Bobby Flay. <laughs> so oh, right. I really do. Like, yeah, I love yeah. that show, and I'm just like, wait a second. The, you know, he turned his uh, oven down. Yeah, and the other guys, like, thing got unplugged. How did he know they exactly, were going to be yeah. stuff and get all that as ingredients? And it just didn't make sense. So I, so if I think there is sabotage on Beat Bobby Flay, I'm guessing there's sabotage. Right. There could be sabotage on the most important thing. But I have to say, he said in one of the clips, I don't think it's worth playing the whole super long clip because it's about all this uh, it just Let me tell you the thing about Nixon real quick. Is during the 1960 debate between Kennedy and Nixon, somebody on Kennedy's campaign staff, they knew that Nixon had this sweating thing. He has like a condition. So oh, he sweat. Really? Like it talks about this in this other book where they always oh. kept the lights off until right when he went on. They kept the AC <laughs> down to try to prevent him from sweating because of what happened in 1960. Somebody on Kennedy's campaign staff went and turned the heat up. Because they knew it would cause him to sweat. And to me, that was like, that's just like that microphone thing. And, well, yeah. And, it, and that's what people remember about that debate is Nixon just like yes, sweating absolutely. profusely. But I just think that something happened even from the Bill Clinton. Uh, I think there was a documentary. I think it maybe was called Spin. I'm not sure, but it's a really well done classic by now documentary about the Bill Clinton campaign and all the behind the scenes things that went on there and how they stole satellite feeds and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) I think I feel like from that time to this time, uh, maybe because of um, it started with Oklahoma city, but it was really nine 11 that really transformed all that stuff. We have different, we have this high level surveillance. We have total, you know, the government I think has virtually total control of the mainstream media uh, at least setting the agenda. I feel like the, yes. the parties collude. I just, I feel like it's not necessary to sabotage his mic. I think I, I, but it makes complete sense to me that, that the mic and the hunching over that the mic is a cover story for the lose on purpose hunching over, but I'm not, yes. you know, I understand. You have a it also works towards so you the can take different interpretations. Yeah, it, it works towards that, and it, it works towards the demonization of him. Is they know he's going to say something about it, so the media can say, "There's all crazy conspiracy theorists, alt right, deplorable racist." Yes, or he plays that role on purpose. You right. know, I mean, it's, I, it's, I hear you. Yeah. It's it's you know, it'll make you crazy. I'm reading this it really book. Will. I read this book. I've read several books about James Jesus Angleton or James Jesus Angleton. I don't know how he pronounced it, but he was the head of counterintelligence at the CIA. Uh, 
around the JFK assassination, and he basically went to his deathbed saying, man, I'm going to hell, like the stuff I've done. And he, uh, when they were talking about him and his team, I forget what book I was reading. It was a really good book. But they were saying how crazy paranoid they would get. Like, you ha- they counter espionage. So yeah. he was the guy looking for the moles. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> and so he would like everybody he talked to. Oh, my gosh. So everybody on his own team, everybody in the CIA was a suspect. And then defectors, defectors. This was one thing. There was this huge defector from Russia. He had all these secrets and everything. And they kept him in solitary confinement for four years, sweating this guy out, torturing him in order to get him to admit that he was really a double agent. That's crazy. And I... Yes. And I feel like that's the kind of thing it's inevitable to have like the Cass Sunstein type stuff to have layer upon layer upon layer of info, disinfo. Cass Sunstein doesn't call for correcting informational errors. He calls for counter disinformation or counter misinformation. Like he calls for this, this layering effect where you really can't, you can't know. And even smoking guns can be uh yeah limited hangouts right and and the best spies the best spies come off as the most credible people there's i watched something about this russian spy who had like and there's been a lot of cases like this had a family in america because he he had to infiltrate all the way in he had to get to know people so he he had a wife and children over here it was like 20 year process And, and a family in russia and he ended up staying in america and they didn't know. No, he eventually got. He eventually got caught. Did his wife know? Did his wife? His family. Oh yes, you know, his I, I think his wife at home. Um, you know, I think this his wife in Russia knew. I'm not. I'm not 100 certain on that. But his 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 wife here did not know. His wife and children here had no idea. I discovered recently investigating the uh, Allende coup in Chile, like whatever, however many years ago, decades ago. I was investigating this, researching this, and one of the spies who was there, like, uh, trying to arrange things, was the father of a childhood friend of mine, like a neighbor, who worked for this company I later found out was like a CIA front organization. And I'm reading, and I'm like, oh my, I don't want to say his name because it's like too, (laughs) too deep state for me, but I was like, why? She was really... My best friend is over her house all the time, and I'm just like still thunderstruck. And I wonder if she even knew. Yeah, that's crazy. He was just a business guy, and I, I just when I was trying, I was like, "What?" And they would said the company he worked for, which is why I knew it was the same guy. Yeah, it's I, like we went to crazy. Chile to like make this happen. It was like, what the heck? So there are spies among us. Didn't didn't the Edward Snowden uh, whole reveal? come with a lot of uh, mention of the fact that 6 million people have security clearance in this country. <laughs> 6 million. Yeah, I mean, and that makes me a, feel left out. There was a new, I know, right? <laughs> well, you're never getting it. I can just tell you right now. Uh, and there was an article today in the journal about uh, an NSA spy that uh, was just arrested. He was arrested a while ago. They just came out with a story and one of the things they said, they happened to plug in this article about this new spy that 
uh, an Edward Snowden movie was coming out right oh, now. Yeah. So Oliver Stone made an Edward Snowden. They actually right. plugged it in the article. And then they <laughs> talked about how to have to crack down on internal threats. So I immediately thought this guy was probably a potential whistleblower. Those oh, yeah, are the yeah. internal threats they want to crack down on. So uh, just to bring that whole spy thing full circle. But Did you see you the WikiLeaks um, 3 a.m.? I did not follow that one. Do you want to tell me what that was about? I I didn't see what the Julian, uh, whatever, how do you say his last name? Assange. Assange. Asshole. Um, No, Assange. He's a honeypot. He's a CIA operative. Yeah, well, that's why this guy is a total BSer most of the time. Total. But they say all these news outlets were saying he's going to release uh, damning evidence against Hillary at 3 a.m. our time, and then he moved it back because of a threat. And then so he's supposed to stay up for it, right? Yeah, and that's people were doing like Alex Jones was doing like a 3 a.m. broadcast. We're gonna do the broadcast, oh, and he was so angry. Alex Jones was so angry because he's going, he's totally you don't just call people here for their 10 year because it was like a 10 year anniversary for WikiLeaks, and he promoted his book. And so he's just like, oh, he's, yeah, we're not going to release, we're not going to release anything. So tonight. they were really just promoting. Were they promoting exactly. Assange's book? And, and he didn't, he didn't release. <laughs> oh he gosh, trolled so the entire internet. Oh, someone was telling me about this. Uh, I was talking about a hip hop, a hip hop manager. Weirdly, you, and you he have a hip hop manager. I have a hip hop manager. I just ran into this guy. Just started talking to him. I never stopped talking. So anybody <laughs> who comes into my my circle just like gets sucked in. So he was telling me that the uh, like advertising and content are seamless. Like you don't even know when people are being paid to advertise. It feels like content, or vice versa. Oh yeah. So. Alex Jones was doing a commercial. I, I'm not saying he was, but Plex from the sound pro. of it, Alex Jones was doing a commercial for Julian Assange. Oh, right. And, it, yeah. and it's more authentic. Because, yeah. And, you know, you can hear it. Were you not That's, telling me about like how Rush does it? Rush does his ads. They R- sound like Rush, will, Rush will start into this thing. It's uh, awesome. Not nine. You know, we have I the, just the, got my, the threat of, of, my of Hillary being elected hacked. president. And when somebody comes in, you know, you could be happy. He'll go on this long thing that's like relevant. And then he'll be like, when this happens, you need to make sure that you have your home secure. And I'm like, oh, yes. Yes, yes. And you know what happens on Alternative a lot too, where they'll they'll freak you out about the crashing dollar or um, GMOs yeah, or whatever. Right. And then they'll just be like, that's why I stock up on, uh, you know, InstaFood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. What, what was real? Where did that? But I'm saying it's even worse than that, where you really don't know what's what's it's, content. And right, what's it's the battle for attention. This is why when it comes to propaganda, a lot of people think that, that all propaganda is bad. It's not all bad. It's the fact is to get our attention, you have to be that dramatic and over the top with all this information. So it's about finding out which propaganda is actually white propaganda versus black propaganda. Well, th- and I'll say what that is in one second. This was in Trump's book where he said, I would much rather, even if I'm being criticized, I would much rather be the subject of the article in the New York Times Yes. Free, yes. then pay for an ad yes. right next to that article. Right. And it was in his book. But in case people don't know what white, gray, and black ops are, uh, actually, I think this was in an article you sent me. It was a fascinating article. I have to write that down. I think it was the Al-Qa- Qaeda, Al-Qaeda, whatever, where 
the government contractor was making fake Al-Qaeda videos and promulgating them. And they said that they were just doing it to see who was clicking on them, but they were being clicked on by like, and the guys who ran the company did it. So like, we didn't, we weren't tracking who was clicking on it. It's like, uh, were they recruitment videos? What were they? I'll, I'll put that link in the show notes on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. But it explained there that there, these guys were propaganda contractors. And they explained how white propaganda is like when a soldier gives chocolate to a child. Um, you know it's coming from the U.S., but it's still propaganda to win the hearts and minds. Yes. Then gray, gray propaganda is not attributed. So it's like a flyer you find on the floor. It doesn't say anything, but black propaganda is when you act like it's coming from a source that it isn't coming from. So when the U S makes Al Qaeda videos and then disseminates them, they're saying it's coming from Al Qaeda. Yeah. But it's right. Well, it's about that source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about the white propaganda. You know who the source is, and the, the information is genuine. It's just being delivered in an yes. emotionally dramatic way, whereas the black propaganda, the actual source of it, is hidden, covered up, and completely disconnected um, from the actual propaganda. It's like having a front organization. Yes. So they, these black ops, well, black psyops, are uh, like controlled opposition, like yeah. I think – Yes. Trump is. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna think a little harder about your viewpoint. Well, I, I, I think it could go either way. I just uh, the more information I find, the more I'm trying to weigh the back. I think the same outcome is gonna happen. But uh, um, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So should we do a? Oh, $1.5 billion are spent by the feds per year. This was another article that came out last week on public relations. Public relations is a code word for propaganda. Right. $1.5 billion per year the Fed spend on public relations. And actually in that article you sent me, which I will link, it said that in those days they weren't allowed to turn the that propaganda onto the domestic audience. Right. And now they are. Correct. So we were talking before early in a previous show about the Smith-Munt Amendment, and you were like, what difference does it make? They do it anyway. Well, these contractors from a British company – cared about that they you can't otherwise everyone has to be in the tent you know what i mean yeah. if it's illegal you have to tell everybody okay, oh, yeah, keep yeah, your mouth yeah. Shut, yeah. Whatever. so this way they can have all six million of those people yeah working on projects that they are are don't have to worry about right yeah well, the, one of the biggest discoveries of world war one and i don't know the yeah. exact quotes but this is said by multiple propagandists for the united states is we discovered how truly powerful systematic, organized, mass-scale propaganda is, and we turned that propaganda towards business, towards government, and towards shaping public opinion of the country. So they openly talk about how that's what they got out of World War One is how powerful – Who's we? Who's we? The, the psychologists? Oh, no, the industrial like the, psychologists? The, the committee on public – Like Edward Bernays? Yes, the committee on public information, Woodrow Wilson, uh, Walter Lippmann, everybody involved in that. Some of them were against it. Others, other than we're saying we right. should totally use this domestically, and they did use it. Wilson, I think, was delusional. I think he had no. I think he was uh, bamboozled because of his ego. Yeah, there, there was some of that. He also, after the whole, 
you know, let's make the world safe for democracy. Mm-hmm. At the end of the war, he admits that it was a, a war for economic plunder. It's just the whole illusion fell apart after World War One. Like there's quotes like the, the yeah. public officials admit it, and that's why there was an anti-propaganda movement after World War One. The public was more aware of it, but then that propaganda movement got squashed right before World War Two because they needed to <laughs> manipulate public opinion into war again. Right, and and now, well, now there's no turning back. For right. Sure. <clears throat> so I just wanted to, can I can I just play this like one yeah, go ahead. second? It's yeah. like a one second thing that Trump says it was such a throwaway comment, and it it was an admission of a level of irresponsibility that uh, is staggering. It is absolutely staggering. So I'm just gonna, okay. I'm just gonna spring it on you. No, this is something funny though. I just want to interject that he says, you know, I know you bring up this race stuff a lot, so I just want to get ahead of it and tell you about all this other thing. I felt like he was throwing himself under the bus in this clip, but it's a really long clip. It's kind of nuanced. I don't want to get into that. But this coming up is what I was trying to highlight right now. And, uh, you know, I also noticed the very nasty commercials that you do on me in so many different ways, which I don't do on you. Maybe I'm trying to save the money. Okay. So did you hear that? Maybe I'm trying to save the money. Yes. So he's complaining that she has all the attack ads on TV. And he's saying that he doesn't do that because he wants to save the money. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) The fate of the free world depends on this election. What are you talking about? I mean, it's crazy. It's not even his money. This guy is uh, trying to save the money by not advertising commercials for this most important role in the world. He, it's it's reckless, and he has he talked about having a fiduciary duty to I don't know whom to to like not pay taxes. I don't I don't know if he needs who would he have a fiduciary duty to to not pay personal income taxes. Uh, I understand there's a fiduciary duty to for your shareholders for your investors if there's you have to use the bankruptcy laws, but he kind of threw that away around loosely. I thought, and in this case. He has a fiduciary duty to the donors and everybody else to use that money wisely. This is it's extremely effective to have TV ads. So I just I thought that was a crazy little throwaway comment. Yeah, and, he uh, makes the side commentary on what he's talking about, and it gets him in trouble. But that's what's so interesting to me about this whole what I consider to be a psyop, and your idea that maybe he's. He's really just doing his thing because those like off the cuff comments, like one time he said how Bush whisked out of the country the Bin Laden family the day after 9-11. He said that in a debate. Yeah, I know. I remember that. You know, and I was like, did someone tell him it was OK to say that? Because it's it's not OK to say that. I know. We're not right. allowed to say that. I mean, nobody ever told me not to say, but you know, especially if you do like a radio show or you get all sorts of media feedback, when you start saying stuff like that, it's uh, people go bananas on you and you just learn that and you stop saying stuff like that. 
So I just, I did that. Those off the cuff comments. I just don't even get it. I just don't get it. But well, that I, Bush one is part of his strategy of being sensational because that's what's going to get the attention. Well, yeah. you're going to win over a lot of truthers that way. I remember right. I did a show not too long ago where I just on the air, I just on, on my, the terrestrial radio show that we do together, which people might not even know about the Monica Perez show on WSB in Atlanta. They, we were talking about um, vaccines. I just thought it was, I found out that chicken pox, the chicken pox vaccine wears off like 10 years after you get it. So that makes adults vulnerable to chicken pox, which is super dangerous. Yeah. It's not, you know, I wish I had known that. And I also read that childhood fevers are good for developing a secondary immune system that helps fight cancer later in life. So I was just thought, you know, I wish I had known that before I got the chicken pox vaccine. And people went bananas on me wrote to my boss like she's an anti-vaxxer and i was literally just saying like i think we should think about it but on the flip side i just didn't know i had no idea like people were sending me love letters like i I, thank you so much for talking about that nobody talks nobody has the courage to talk about that i knew whatever um you were one of us i was like i just really was just trying to think about it and uh and i feel like you can and then i realized like you could actually And I would never do it because I just want to, I have enough of my own thoughts. I can't manipulate my thoughts to talk about things I don't really believe and I could never pull it off. But, but I realized that you could take, uh, just because it's a minority of the people, maybe it's a minority. I I could be a majority who, who, uh, are concerned about vaccines, but even if it's a robust minority, like you can have a huge following. And I think his following is a robust minority of Republicans. And you can really tap into a th- an enthusiastic minority. It won't get you elected, but it'll certainly get you uh, buzz and um, adoration. And and Hillary labels that group the fringe, alternative, right, racist, xenophobic, homophobic. But all they so and that's the thing because they're so marginalized. But those aren't you know all those people are not all the same people. You right. know what I mean? Exactly, I know. But yeah. that's what no, I know you that, know that. that, that but right, and that's what makes them feel alienated, and that's what makes people in the mainstream uh, not be able to talk about it. So it makes those people feel it's an, it creates an opportunity, like an arbitrage opportunity. I noticed Dave Chappelle took advantage of this, like he. I noticed that like when Eddie Murphy went off the script for what it was okay to joke about for African-Americans and like Chris Rock seemed to get in line, Eddie Murphy seemed to not get in line and his, his, he started making kids movies. Like he just, his career seemed derailed. Then Dave Chappelle comes in and he is just cracking you up with all this stuff, which is totally off color and um, borderline. You know, it would be offensive if it weren't obvious that he he was uh, making fun or whatever, but it wasn't in, from a position of hate. And I think, and and that's why he was wildly successful. And I feel like then he he probably got pressure. That yeah, have you ever seen that interview? Go there. No. He, he does an interview with – you know, it, it might be inside the actor's studio. I'm not sure, but he – Oh, Eddie Murphy did a great one on that. I loved it. Yeah. I haven't seen his, but Ch- Chappelle talks about how 
he was surrounded by all these these suits and and they were trying to get him to to go a certain way that he didn't want to go oh. and a lot of people interpreted it as him talking about the Illuminati. I, I don't know if that's the case, but well, it was definitely— Who cares what you call the people in power? Exactly. It doesn't matter. People trying to influence this, what he did, and that's why he initially quit his show after signing that big contract. Oh, I, I totally surmise that because I, I remember how they shut Eddie Murphy down and how Chris Rock— transformed and i and i just seemed to me like you had to fall in line however charlie murphy was on dave Chappelle's show so he should have had a hotline to eddie murphy eddie murphy should have helped him through it but i you know i think it's just it's super super hard to bust through that i don't know if it's even possible and eddie murphy took the lumps i think i saw dave Chappelle. this is off track for a second but i saw him skateboarding on crescent street at 2.30 2.30 in the morning one night, and, and nobody else really? that I was with saw it. I was the only one. <laughs> it we, didn't really happen? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, it was I, a phantom? You know, I, I know it was him because he did his little his little shoulder shrug thing that he does. Because like, I was oh like, my gosh. Dave Chappelle. But like he, he came by one time, and it, everybody was leaving the bar, and I was driving, so I hadn't been drinking anything. Everybody was leaving the bar, and I saw this guy skateboard down the street, and I was like, that I think that might have been Dave Chappelle, and everybody's like, "No, <laughs> you're crazy." No, and I was like, "It looked like Dave Chappelle." And then, like five minutes later, coming back the other way, I saw him again, and I went, "Dave Chappelle." And they were like, "None of my friends turned around," but I, I was like, "Dave Chappelle," and I pointed at him, and he like slowed down. He kind of did his little shoulder thing. I was like, "I knew it." Nice. And, and I looked it up the next day, and he was in Atlanta, and he liked skateboarding. So I was like, that was well, it. I'm sure that was it. That was what my son would say. The Illuminati strikes again. <laughs> this, is a, yeah, this is an expression him and his friends, he and his uh, friends use, which they didn't get from me. I don't walk around talking about the Illuminati. He's 10. He's 11 now. That's a T-shirt. Yes. And anytime, like what I would say when I was growing up, owe me a Coke or other people would say jinx. He'll say if there's any kind of coincidence or weirdness, whatever, he'll say the Illuminati strikes again. (laughs) I think my husband thinks it's my influence. It's completely not. I'm I'm going to be using that. You can tell him. Oh, totally. Let's we should make the T-shirts. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yes. So that was a little off track, but pretty funny. And um, the only other thing I have from the debate with Hillary and the Donald are. you know, it's just, it's about, <clears throat> I don't even want to play the clip. It's too boring, but <laughs> these things are so boring. Actually, that one wasn't as boring as the VP one. She oh, talks yeah. about things being fair, about uh, the wealthy paying their fair share, which is hilarious because the wealthy, actually, what really makes me mad is that it's the upper middle class who pays almost all of the income tax, and they are... The ones who went to school till the thirty, and uh, and I and upper middle class is not rich. It's you have to live close to town because you work so much that if you ever want to see your kids, you can't have this huge commute. There's no tax deductions. Uh, I I am the youngest of nine. My father's a truck driver. I had to. I got scholarships to Harvard, but I started a community college. And I, as when I went to graduate school, I amassed so much unbelievable debt. So did my husband. We got married when we were like 30 with tons of debt. 
and then had to work and immediately were in 50% tax brackets. Uh, we had every crash, every baby bust thing that could happen to you. And, uh, you just never make ends meet. We pay enormous amounts of taxes, far, far more taxes than we could ever, um, than pops up in our savings account, which is not a lot because then you're in the, the close to the city, you send your kids to private schools, all that kind of stuff, not to go on and on, but, but it's not even the wealthy. It's not a wealth tax. It's an income tax for people who have to work. If you are working, it's because you're not rich enough not to work. And the people yeah. who are rich enough, you know, that's the definition of wealthy. It's the people who are working 60, 80 hours a week who are in the 50% tax brackets. And what's the fair share then? What is the fair share? Then, then, as my husband says, what gives those people the right to take more of my money than I get? Yeah. 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 That's how it ends up being. If you've got Social Security, um, payroll taxes, property taxes, income taxes, sales taxes, uh, it, you know, it's okay. You're not going to get a lot of sympathy with that, but what, where, when is it fair? You know, 50% of the people pay no taxes. And then actually the super upper crust actually probably does pay the vast majority. I think I figured it out once the top 4% pay like, uh, so much of the, or whatever the top 1% pays a ton. And then the next 4% pays, um, a disproportionate amount. But this idea of fairness, that that's fair, that fairness means um, profit sharing and higher taxes for the wealthy and all the stuff that she was categorizing as fair is really just redistributing wealth. What makes it fair? Like people make choices or is it trying to even out that God gave people different gifts? It's like fairness what, of what outcome as opposed to fairness of opportunity. But it's not even a fair outcome. It's maybe right. a more equal outcome, maybe, uh, but personally- I feel like this enormous state, the modern state and their inflation and the Fed and all that kind of stuff, what it does is create this enormous wealth gap that that corporations and um, businesses would have what's called a race to the bottom uh, because if anybody was making outsized profits, there would just be huge competitive incursions into their industry. So if you started out, uh, the only people who would really get rich would be real first movers. And they do get rich anyway. First movers in a new technology definitely rake it in. But after that, people enter and efficiencies get created and you have a much more level playing field. And at the very lowest levels, people can open taco stands and hamburger joints and not have to worry mm -hmm. about enormous regulatory barriers to entry that benefit yeah. places like McDonald's. So. Uh, so this idea, it's not fairness that she's after. It's just redistribution. Right. And I wanted, yeah. yes, go. It's communism. I, I, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, I don't yes. have it backed by evidence yet, but I, I think Hillary is a, a communist. Yeah. I mean, they, the socialism and communism are really the same thing. Right. And it all comes to this collectivism thing where society is centrally controlled. But I wanted to point out, and I'm hoping that you'll pick up, maybe you can, uh, pick up on this somehow that what what the left has done to the word fair i think the right is doing to the word freedom where fair e means equal to the left freedom is going to mean security to the oh, right so yeah. so fair right. is it's not fair to redistribute wealth and it's it's not free to have um uh, a police state but i wanted i thought it would be fun for you i think you suggested the possibility of doing this Doing like a man on the street thing. I so okay. I'm our next show on the air with WSB is October twenty second.
from three to six uh, Eastern time. And we're going to have, I'm interviewing Ron Paul. And uh, I don't have him for the whole, my show is three hours. He's only going to be on for an hour. But I was thinking that you could ask people <laughs> what they think freedom means, really see, or, and you could even throw in fairness, you know, just see what people actually yeah. think those words mean and, and how language being used by, uh, is so manipulative by these people right. at the top. And it changes well, how you think about the world. Yeah, exactly. Now it's, uh, the book Public Opinion, written by Walter Lippmann, I think is a great idea, yes. and I am going to try to do that. Uh, he talks about, and he actually lays out, uh, he lays out specific presidential speeches, and he lays out the fourteen points by Woodrow Wilson, the the way that the language is chosen, and he specifically says how each word, or the, he he chooses a bunch of different words and and uh, phrases. And he shows how they are specifically general and vague so that each group involved can grab on to it, to, to it and can put their own meaning in it and then support the 14 points. So they can find their own meaning in the word but, but, yes. but find unity. And then in reality, when it goes to be enforced, it's only going to benefit those who end up defining it after the fact. That's how I think – Trump operates, except for not to get everybody on board, but to get some people on board and some people uh, off board to create conflict using that vagary for that. That's the right. art of ambiguity. And I think Obama used it by having nothing, by just allowing you to, right. you know, like Dr. Who's psychic paper, just project onto it what, you're, what you want. Yeah, and every candidate thinks they're candidates for freedom in the American dream. I actually have a bunch of clips from the, the primaries where, where like five or six different candidates are going, we will restore the American dream. And every candidate there thinks that the person they're supporting is doing that. And they think that the other person is not doing that. So it's like it's the same words, but people don't realize they don't know what that person means by that word. There's no concrete definition. I totally agree. I totally, especially the Republican politicians, they talk about that. But anybody who's in favor of all this police state, surveillance state, uh, yeah, a war, policing the world, that's not freedom. No. It's certainly not liberty and justice for all. No, no, it's it's just uh, it's it's that's how they that's how they get these social programs to people to accept that people to accept them is under the guise of democracy. Like, I think people sometimes have this mistaken oh, idea. Democracy is another word that yeah, exactly. that feels like fairness. Right. It's totally <laughs> a vague word that evokes a powerful emotion. And, and but that's how that's how you get people on board with stuff is you. You know, you put socialistic programs out there and you slowly transform very gradual process. You transform the society and you look up one day and, and it's completely different, but they can only do that as long as the guise or the illusion of democracy is maintained. Once that illusion is shattered, then people stop fighting with each other and, and they look and they say, wait a minute, they're, they're manipulating all of us. But as long as that illusion yes. of democracy is maintained, yeah. they can implement these things under the guise of democracy and freedom. Democracy is extremely dangerous. I had read <laughs> true as a as a political concept i'm not oh, even yeah. talking about letting people vote i'm talking about as a political concept and i i was reading one of my you know really a gateway book gateway to anarcho capitalism if you will <laughs> called democracy the god that failed by hans hermann hoppe and one of the things he mentioned that i found interesting i didn't verify the stat but let's just throw it out there that the average 
tax rate of a monarchy is like 5% or 10%. That over the history of civilization, really an uh, elite group like that gets 5 or 10%. But in democracies right now in the world, I've noticed this myself. I have done the math on this. It's it's almost a very consistent, like 37%. Like in Europe, in America, in England, like you think you have a freer system or whatever, they're taking the exact same amount of the productivity off the table yeah. in all these places. And and it's really only because we have this illusion of consent. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a false choice thing, you know. It's a in marketing they, they talk about it and it's the same thing they do in politics. It's give people you don't want to give them too much choice because it will overwhelm them and there's the uh it cripples them from taking action but you want to give them the illusion of choice so you give them at least two choices so that they feel like they've chosen and then you throw in a third choice and, and, <laughs> yes and the way that it works in marketing is you know which one you want them to choose and you package yes. and frame those other two in a way that they're not going to choose them I remember I worked for, I was a banker, so I worked for a lot of different companies, and I think it was a mattress company where they said, we really only have the super high-end, very expensive mattress there so that people will choose the one under it. Yeah. So like they can- Yeah, exactly. Right. That's why they don't want to sell that other one. They they hardly even make them. And the one one below it, the third choice is a little bit too undesirable, you know? Yeah, it, it but it directs them to the one that's the most profitable. Yeah, but like, like with a know. monarchy, you know that it's not you or your neighbor, like you were pointing out earlier. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you wanted to do anything more on the debate or talk about the foundation stuff or do what to watch, what to watch out for. What are you? I, in the we don't for? have to go too deep because I know we both have a lot on the foundation stuff. We can maybe save a, a deep. I would love to save that. it because I also want to talk about corporate activism. Right. I really and, and it's a it's a little bit of a nuanced, you know, people like, oh, that corporation's great. It does stuff for the community. Right. Exactly. I, I'm yeah, an yeah. opponent of all that. And, yeah. and you really want to talk about it at length. So let, let right. let's we can save that. I do want to say one quick line on it, it, it is that Go. this whole idea, because every time it's a very specific line and everybody, all of Hillary's surrogates use the same thing. It's whenever they're asked a question about the Clinton Foundation, they start off by going, and Kane did it the other night, they say, we, first let's talk about what the Clinton Foundation does. And it's they, 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 they provide AIDS medicine, they're doing life-saving work, and they specifically say AIDS, every single one of them. And they're saving millions and millions of lives, and then they go in to say how everything else is justified because they're saving millions and millions of lives. And people... I mean, not people who support Trump or don't like the Clintons. Yeah, that's but- interesting. I noticed that, but I fell for it. <laughs> exactly. It's a halo effect. It, it, it's, uh, it, it primes your brain to say, okay, if they're good, then they're not bad because well, our brain. This is what made me think. I thought, oh, well, that would justify why, why foreign governments would give them money. Yeah, exactly. And, that's how, and they use that as justification. But my, the only thing I want to say on this without going too deep on, deep on it is um, Jimmy Seville, the, the prolific pedophile in, in the UK, his, his foundation was was uh, amazing. It's what helped him get knighted twice. And, and what he was doing with that foundation was using oh access to right. have – he was recruiting girls. He was raping with it, and he was actually raping people in a hospital, and everybody was afraid to say anything about it because he controlled it because he gave them money. And this is historically how a lot of these powerful, like the, the Rockefellers, there's a long list. And the reason I bring it up is because this is all a distraction from someone saying, hey, wait a minute. 
a prolific pedophile, Jeffrey Epstein, said in a Freedom of Information Request Act document that he helped start the Clinton Foundation, and nobody brings that up. To me, that's the deal breaker. Until they talk about that, it's all a distraction. But you don't think he used it for anything, do you? I, I, I mean, he flew around with Bill Clinton somewhere. I mean, to all these different countries, and there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of programs with young girls, and this is the and same. He did thing. say Bill Clinton owed him a favor, right? Oh, I'm sure he did. He, he. I think that was it. It was like in on one of those islands. Like, what the heck's Bill Clinton doing here? And he's like, he owes me a favor, and I'm thinking he owes you a favor. You just gave him Virginia Roberts or whatever. I don't know if he. If yeah. he partook, but you know, like I was like, right. who's doing who a favor? My that, point is they ignore that issue yeah. and they try to cover it up yeah. by saying, oh, we're curing AIDS. And they try to just get people to say, well, it must be a good thing then that like these, these, these profiteers or I don't even know if they're profiteers, but these elite, these elite people who are criminals, that is how they disguise their bad behavior is by doing social under the guise of social good because people when, yeah, they yes. think they can't be bad. But they take it one step further, and that is where the foundation thing really comes uh, to the fore, is that they not only make themselves look good, they actually use the foundations to do the bad things, exactly. not just Savile, but yeah. the uh, – like to influence the political direction of the country by infiltrating yeah. all the institutions. There yeah, really exactly. is so much to talk about. It's, yeah, Taxes let's save that for another time. We'll be on for another okay. two hours if we go into that. I know, I know, yeah, I it's know. It's such a great topic. All right, so should we do um, what to watch out for? Yes, let's go ahead. Let's do that. You do go you ahead. Want, do you want to take turns, or should I just give you what I got and then? Give me what you got. Then, okay. So some of these things I've mentioned before. So this one's real quick hit. If you've watched the show, watch the show or listen to the show, I've said for, I mean, since the beginning that the videos of cops shooting guys, shooting black guys, always, always cut out the are, are always ambiguous. They cut out the beginning, the end, the middle. Um, there's just no, the only clear cut case I can think of was Walter Scott. And that was to demonstrate that a good video We'll put the cop in jail. So just in today's paper, Los Angeles police chief releases video related to fatal police shooting. Uh, video shows Cornell Snell Jr. with what appears to be a gun as he runs with an officer in pursuit. That's the subtitle. Then here's the quote. Uh, the security camera video released by Los Angeles Police Tuesday shows Carnell Snell Jr. with what appears to be a gun in one hand as he runs and briefly ducks behind a row of parked cars then runs off again with an officer in pursuit on foot. But it doesn't show the moments immediately before officers fire on the man or the shooting itself. So, you know. Another one, yeah. I could have written that for you, but I mean, it's just... They, when people start catching on, they'll stop doing it that way. And now, was I that mean, one a major news story? Well, it was in the Wall Street Journal today, but I hadn't even heard of it. Yeah, I hadn't either. I know they're just—it's what it, it's. I noticed this from the report from Iron Mountain, and also the Committee of Three Hundred by John Coleman. This concept of they don't actually have to make a big splash with all the stories. What they do is just wear you down or it's there is a psychological effect that they actually do computer programs on that will say, like, how many people have to die before uh, the population will change their opinion on a policy. 
So they don't actually have to make a big deal of every single one. They just have to the, and what Coleman calls long range penetration strain. It's like, eventually you get, uh, it's just so used to bombs dropping. You don't even think about it anymore. Right. Um, I guess that's the flip side of this concept, but I think they're just going for critical mass here on, uh, on rolling these things out. So, um, there was also an article about Desert Trip, which I am going to this weekend in California, which is the Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney, Pink Floyd's Roger Waters, <laughs> Bob Dylan, and The Who, and Neil Young. So I did want to just um, tell you how excited I am about that. That's, that sounds like it's going to be fun. <laughs> and uh, since it was in the newspaper, I have it on my list of like, oh, what to watch out for. But I'm actually going to watch it. Right, you're going to be your mind's just going to be penetrated long range with mind control music. Illuminati. Yes, I actually it's called Desert Trip, which is so hilarious because yeah. these are all like acid bands, whatever. <laughs> but people are calling it Old Achella. I guess like a takeoff on other festivals out there because it's like for old people. And I've seen a lot of these guys and they are kind of. Not as good as they were at their peak, but I still think it's going to be super fun. Right. All the acid kind of wore them down over the years. Dude, I can't imagine what that would do to your... That is long-range penetration. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I have have a couple more. Go ahead. Uh, Oh, I told you about the NSA contractor charged with classified stealing classified secrets. I feel like we're going to have some whistleblower legislation come down that's going to crack down internally so that the surveillance state is completely locked up and and not, nothing's going to be able to get out. Everything's yeah. going to go in and nothing. it's going to be a black hole. Uh, so keep out for that. And this is a thing that I have been following for a long time. Uh, and I've written a lot about this Uber. I noticed when Uber started that it took over the the previously impenetrable taxi markets in New York and San Francisco. And I just smelled a rat. Then I found out, um, and then when I saw that they were, um, the courts were coming down on the model of the drivers, they want them to be, rather than a gig thing, which is the essence of it, they wanted them to be employees. And I thought, who, you know, who can have the political clout to get these guys to penetrate these cities and overturn very powerful taxi lobbies, organizations, whatever, and not, and want to blow up the model. And then I realized, of course, immediately, and this was a couple of years ago before it was obvious, now it's obvious, that the idea was that Uber was just going to be run by driverless cars. That's really the point. And then I found out that Google had had invested in Uber, but I, I, I only found it out because I looked for it. I knew it was coming. And uh, I noticed that, oh, and then I just recently read that the model doesn't work at all. Uber actually subsidizes the pay of the taxi, of the drivers. So the thing that's great about Uber is that it's so cheap, but it's only because they're subsidizing the drivers. The drivers are going to go away and driverless cars are going to replace it. That's a boon for the guys who are developing that, but it's also a boon for the surveillance police state because then we lose that independence, that American independence of everybody having a car. You're on the grid. Any movement you make has to be on the grid. So it's pretty scary. But but then to take it a step further, Obama earmarked $4 billion to have it uh, to facilitate the um, 
release of these driverless cars. So it's really, it's coming fast and furious. It's coming from the top. It's going to wow. put a lot of people out of work. And here, so here's the last thing. I know that was like a big, long story to do it. But here's what was in the newspaper today. Uh, and I've also highlighted this in the past. U.S. traffic deaths up sharply in the first half of the year. And it says, we don't know why. And uh, and then it says, totals could be revised. We can't figure it out. But the guy who runs the Highway Safety Board yet again says, uh, we have an immediate crisis on our hands. We have to do something right away. We need zero deaths. This is a guy who said recently, we can't wait for perfect to deploy new technology. We should be desperate for anything we can to save people's lives. And when I hear that kind of scare stuff, I know that they are trying to make massive policy changes and, um, yeah. you know, they're working hard to roll out driverless cars as quickly as possible. Wow. So see that happen, see Uber turn into, it's going to go all driverless. It will never make a profit before it goes driverless. So I realized that was a long one, but that that is something I really have been dying to tell you to that's, watch. That's total more. dependency. That's total dependency on the grid. Like a, a, the next generation will not know how to drive. Right. And then big tech is kind of elevated into, I always think the military industrial complex, the big three is big finance, big defense, and big energy. And then the next tier is like big farm, big pharma, big tech. But big tech's going to leapfrog if they're controlling all of your, all the sights and sounds, all of your movements, everything you hear and uh, think you know, as well as sending the information back up to the surveillance state. I mean, this is really huge in my opinion. Yeah, they're going to have to balance that with all the virtual reality pornography and the <laughs> the dolls they're making that are are so real now that uh, people will never leave the house, so they won't have a need for the driverless cars. You're totally making me want to puke. <laughs> <laughs> I, you I know what the, there's a thing called predictive programming where they tell you this stuff is coming, so you're used to it. Science fiction was actually, I think, uh, which I love science fiction, originated with some military intelligence guys, yeah. truly. And one, and one of my favorite movies has always been Demolition Man, which I, I feel was... Movie. Yeah, yeah I, I I always interpreted it as as a New Yorker wakes up in L.A. <laughs> That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's great. It's, and but it, it's this stuff is all from that that virtual reality stuff, the sex stuff, the driverless car stuff. Oh no, the driverless car thing was in Total Recall. Johnny Cab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I see a story almost every week. I mean, it's on Drudge, and Drudge, you know, puts that stuff uh, to get, you know, sensational and get people to mm -hmm. click on it. But seriously, they're like, they're trying to make this where it's just like, you know, like real life. And I'm like, that's going to be that that that's when the lines are really, really getting blurred between, you know, what's real. Watch Planet of the not. Apes. Planet yeah. of the Apes. I mean, it's they they don't need actors anymore. And then they have that technology I posted when I talked about Planet of the Apes. Where they can take like this video that we're doing right now and they can put a different <laughs> mouth in there. Oh, yeah. I saw that. The Stanford research thing. They were yes. Doing. Yeah, I so, saw that. And it shows you like Putin and George Bush saying silly things. I mean, that's which crazy. they're definitely not saying. I, that that is know. insane how, how real it looks. I know. It's cr and, and that's just what they're letting us know about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they, the stuff they're, they're doing is at least, way ahead of us. Way, at least. I, I mean – I told you a friend of mine interviewed for the CIA 20 years ago, and she said 
they told her their technology was 10 years ahead of anything that she's ever seen. And that right. was 20 years I, ago. I'm saying they're like a thousand years ahead of us right now. <laughs> there are lizard people running the world. Is that what you're That's, saying? Yeah, yeah. We're going to get to these. We're going to get into these lizard people one of these days. The singularity we'll is yeah, near. We'll save that for another. We'll save that for another time. Um, okay. Well, the only thing that I have to look out for really is I've been focusing a lot on. Um, I know I talk about it a lot, but the Colin Kaepernick thing, and oh, uh, yeah. I just want to kind of give a weekly update type thing on that. Is I I think you really nailed this. I think it's. Um, I think it's been taken over along with Black Lives Matter. I think it's been taken over by uh, by communists, and here's why. What's going on in 1917 during the Russian Revolution? The three three of the things they targeted was one is they were going to purge the national symbols uh, that existed at the time because when you purge the national symbols, that that's that's how you start a revolution. Two, you know, they were going to replace those national symbols with with other symbols. Turning the symbols that existed into divisive symbols, then they were going to do. They were going to do this on the promise of equality, and they were going to do this by putting the image in people's heads of of uh, an international utopia. And so that's what they're doing. And they started off by by targeting all these national wow. symbols, and, that, and that's what's going on right now. Is the the flag and the national anthem, while I know that the, there is issues involved and the people involved, um, most of them have good intent. But what, what's going on is the, the flag and the national anthem is being turned into – it was once a unifying symbol. It's being turned into a symbol of oppression and divisiveness. So when that flag is shown, these two opposing groups that must come to harmony, that must work together in order to find a solution that works for everybody – are growing further and further apart. Tension is getting stronger and stronger, and, and people are growing more firm in their position. So that tension is going to pop, and, and it's spreading across the country as Colin Kaepernick goes across the country. And the flag is like a trigger symbol. Exactly. The flag is a trigger symbol that these people on one side and these people on the other see it in two completely – they're reacting in two completely different ways. So it's a symbol of divisiveness now, and there are in fact flags for Black Lives Matter – which are being associated with this Kaepernick thing. There are songs and stuff, oh. and communist propaganda, it focuses on creating these new symbols. And That's so interesting. I saw – I actually posted on one of my podcasts a long time ago. I like, I'll put a picture at the top of it, and it was an American flag with African colors. Yeah. So it was like uh, – I just think of the Bob Marley song, like black, gold, Green, I can't red, maybe I can't remember, but it was it was a cool looking flag, but it was you know, I'm sure it would yeah. offend people. It's totally and there's there's a I look some of this up and they they're out there starting to emerge and the, the protest like Kaepernick's going around to schools, high schools, colleges, and he's like taking a knee with him. Now I want to remind you again that it was people it was sitting down, but it became this kind of symbolic, let's take a knee instead. That is a public relations propaganda move because that is more that's a more powerful, repeatable symbol. And so that's what he, he's going to schools to do this. One school he went to the, the entire team laid down on their back during the national anthem and put their hands in the air like the hands up, don't shoot thing. That, that you was, said it would spread. I mean, you were really, really, really it, right about that. That was amazing. In the news as much right now because of no, it isn't because of Why? the debates and the presidential uh, election. But if you 
if you specifically look it up, you see that there's more more extreme protests going on. Maybe it's targeting the sports fans who don't watch the news. Like you know what I mean? Like right. they have yeah, different yeah. psyops. Exactly, people. and they're and they're making it exactly like a, a, a an athletic contest. They're presenting that like there's no one side or the other wins here, but that's how the issue is being presented as being a, an us versus them type thing. But either nobody wins or everybody wins in this situation. You can't. De- you can't defeat the other team unless this becomes a civil war. There's no only one winner. It's nobody wins or everybody wins. So they're making it a zero sum game, and it's, it's been hijacked by people who are funding it, who are manipulating the situation, who have taken Colin Kaepernick because he's a sports figure who who influences um, young kids who play sports, play football, who idolize him. And, and because he's being surrounded by people who are fueling him and telling him he's doing, he's doing the right thing and he's becoming stronger in his stance. Now, he probably thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's trying to help, but it, it's not brave to, to go stand up for a bunch of people who are idolizing you, who are making a demon out of the other side. And I understand that the other side is making demons out of them as well, but that's not brave to just go fall into the arms of people who are treating you like a God and and create a a further divide in in this country in a way that it's destroying a national symbol. That's that's interesting because it's it's not only not brave, it's actually, I I don't know the guy from Adam, but that's also could be selfish attention, getting behavior. Exactly. It's totally, it's, it's now I, I'm he it could be right. It could be elating. Yes, it, it could be feeding into the uh, the myth of him. There's a myth that's being created around him. But for and, himself, like he yeah. might just no, he's buying not, into the myth, he's not be sophisticated enough. To, yeah, he's smoking right. his own Kool-Aid. And, and what it, I think a, a truly brave thing to do, because the, the only way for this problem to get solved, because right now the tension is building Side, the the forces are marshalling on either side, and, and because it's being kind of held back as a peaceful protest, it's not really. What it is is people are holding back their anger, so the tension's that much stronger, which means it's going to pop all that much more, and it's going to be even worse when it does. What, the only way to to overcome this is to is to debunk the stereotypes that, are, that these these myths are being based on because these stereotypes are inaccurate. They're they're based on worst case scenarios, painting yeah, a, a broad they're inaccurate. Brush. Yes, and, and that's what people are reacting to. They're not reacting to the individual. So it starts by recognizing the problem of the stereotype. If he wanted to do something brave, because this would this would be brave, because this would cause the people he's actually trying to help to get very mad at him. If he stood up during the national anthem and wouldn't put his arm around a white police officer, that would be a step yes. reaching across to help instead of furthering the divide. And that would cause him a lot of grief for the people he's trying to support. But that's yeah. also an opportunity to – to to start a conversation and debunk these stereotypes that the media and the the globalists are are you know propagating. And the reason I I feel like they're inaccurate as a I'm not saying there aren't isolated cases. There are isolated cases everywhere that could support probably anything. I, I know right. it because every time I come up with an original idea, uh, I'll Google it and I'll find somebody <laughs> already had it. Right, and, it yeah. and that happened with the Mike Pence Cotton yeah. Hill thing. I was like, he looks just like Cotton Hill. I'm sure I'm not the first person who thought that. Uh, but the the reason I'm there, they can't be overwhelmingly accurate is that these the videos and stuff are like fake. I mean, that, that last year, you know, some of them are for sure. 
like last week when I, I realized we did what we, we talked about the guy in Charlotte who uh, there was a video from his wife, his daughter and his sister. And I went back after our show, the, the one of his daughter and his sister are like the same people. So it looks to me so. like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it does look similar. Yeah. Cause I, some of those people were actually, it was the same actual person, like in the same clothes and everything. So I guess you could split hairs and try to figure it out, but that was obviously a fabricated kind of story. Or even if, even if that was a real video made by fake people, the media didn't vet it or I don't know what, I really don't know what it was, but the fact that it has to be so not straightforward, so ambiguous that they have to pull pieces out of the videos and everything to manipulate us means that there aren't a million clear cut examples. Although there are plenty of real examples you can see. And it's not, it's not just white cops and black, um, uh, victims, it's there's white cops and white victims. There's, um, right. but you know, the, it's all over the place. You could get plenty of that stuff, but but in order to really craft that narrative, those stereotypes, right. they're very particular about what they roll out and how they roll right. it out, when they roll right. it out, how they cut it up. Uh, so yes, it's it is fostering a false. Right. Like you said, it needs to be vague enough where the people who have already made up their minds what's going on see it and say see it and make a decision immediately, regardless of the facts, because that's how the that's how the the violence happens faster and faster is because people have already decided they know what's going on. So if it's clear cut, then that's not going to cause these reactions that they, they need to cause in order to further this divide. Well, I'm going to watch out for that because you really Nailed it. So what do you want us to watch out for? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I just – I don't know if it's going to start popping up in the news yet. I know around playoff time it, it definitely will and definitely Super Bowl time. Um, but Yes, I, I, yes, yes. It's going to be the round of sports. I got it. Yeah. I got it. I think you're right. And you also called – what did you say? That that first debate was going to be boring, which it was. There was a lot of hype for it. It wasn't yeah. as boring as the VP debate. Like right. that made it look interesting. Yeah. But um, okay, so there's another debate coming up on Sunday. Uh, we can talk about that next week, and I guess we should wrap it up. I have to. All right. What, get what up do you early think for my in, flight? Uh, in 30 seconds, what do you think is going to happen in the debate? On Sunday, well, given that I am going to be probably at like a Who concert, <laughs> given it much thought. Um. I really don't know. I'm not good at speculation. They want him to be more like Mike Pence. And maybe, you know, a fun way to do it would be to have him more like Mike Pence and have him fall on his face (laughs) because the original campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski or whatever his name was, a Coke operative, by the way, Coke Brothers operative, uh, his famous tagline was, let Trump be Trump. So now they're going to, you know, I I don't know. If I had to just speculate, I would say that. What do you think? I think that Trump will be declared the winner of this one because it's it too to early, it's too forth. early yeah. for it to be over. Yeah, I agree. And, and so I, I think he will he will be he will be more like um, what's he'll my mind's going crazy. He will be more like Pence in this one, but I I, I don't know how he he's really can do much to. To expose Hillary because she has built such a wall around her. Like I said in a video I made recently, 
at any point in time that he's attacking her, she could just collapse on the stage and they'll blame it on Trump. <laughs> yeah, he's got to pull his punches. There's no doubt about that. And But I do agree that if there are three debates, he's got to win one and lose two. That's just how they have to right, do it. Exactly. I think that's how they did it with Obama and Romney. Yeah, right. and, and somebody wrote to me, it was like, oh, my boyfriend says that this is all fake. And you, uh, if yeah, I don't believe him, I should ask you. And I was like, oh, no, I think Romney's doing his best. I mean, that's how my thinking has changed. I mean, I really, did, I fell for it then, but um, I just don't fall for it anymore. Right. And, and to what we were saying earlier, now Trump might be doing his best or he might not be, but it's how it's going to be played out, how the media interprets it afterwards. Well, that is always that's why I was so shocked that I had the same reaction to Kane as the media, because that's never true. They're always just reading what they want to read. And it has nothing to do with how good an actor or a performer or a politician the guy on stage is. So it it will be an interesting one. I'm going to have to watch it on YouTube the next day, which is not a bad way to go. I can't live tweet it, which stinks. But you can always watch all these things, maybe even this show on one point two five times. And uh, right. get a little bit of your life back. That's right. You can you can watch this entire show in an hour and a half on one point two five. Yes. Well, it might be shorter than that. <laughs> yeah, it might be. We'll the see. time you cut it up. All right. So let's wrap it up. This is uh, episode five of the Propaganda Report. I am Monica Perez with and I'm Brad Binkley. And we will be back next week with more. And don't forget, October twenty second, we're going to be live on WSB for the. Our terrestrial radio show. You can get all the information on that stuff on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. And where do you want people to go for uh, Binkley? Where do you want people to go for like everything? Do you want them to sign up for iTunes? What do you want people to do? Well, go to FreedomActRadio.com for one and sign up. Subscribe to my YouTube page and subscribe to to Monica's YouTube page as well. And if you, some people like to listen, some people like to watch. If you like to listen, go to iTunes, uh, search Propaganda Report, and subscribe. Leave comments, uh, whatever. Anything you, can, anything you can do there help, helps us show up in these yes. searches. That's we nice, appreciate yeah. it. And I think that's uh, – at least that's all I can think of right now. I know we're on some of the, um, the Android device sites as well. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you very much. Until next week, this is the Propaganda Report. See you guys later. Stamp.